Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Rachel. I'm Freddie. And this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast. In this episode, we'll be answering your questions on the Jamie Driscoll row and Caroline Lucas saying she won't be running again. So now it's time for a section we like to call You Ask Us. First, we've had a number of questions and comments about Jamie Driscoll, the North of Tyne mayor since 2019, who's been barred by the Labour Party from running in the North East's first mayoral election. Basically, our listeners want to know why this decision was made and whether or not it's an issue for sort of internal Labour Party politics. I think there's a number of ways to look at this. Obviously, Keir Starmer, when he took the leadership, made it very clear that he would be have a zero tolerance towards any kind of anti-Semitism. And in the very recent future, Jamie Driscoll shared a stage with Ken Loach, whose background most people will know about. And that was a decision he made as an individual politician. And that's one of the reasons, I think, behind why it was decided he would not be long listed for the role of the sort of bigger combined authority area of the North East. I think that's that's the kind of process side of it. But there is a, another pol- political side of it, I think, which is not touched on as much. And I think some of that relates to how some of the ideas in his manifesto would be a radical departure from Labour's own manifesto. I think that raises some kind of questions about how Keir Starmer might interact with local government in terms of his own agenda for the country. But I also think what kind of frustrates me as someone who knows that region really well is is the assumption that Jamie Driscoll is a very popular popular politician. There are some questions about that, some questions about whether about his record of delivery. And I think I think that they've made a, a political judgment, perhaps, as well as one yeah. based around process. He doesn't exactly have King of the North status. He's not Andy Burnham. For example, one of the things that's a big part of the regional mayor's job is to focus on skills. And he sent his kids to private school and that's made him quite unpopular locally. There's a number of things that, that Starmer's team might have picked up on and thought that they wanted just a different figure to, to run for that role. And talking of Andy Burnham, Freddie, you picked up on this in your morning call about this story. Andy Burnham and Steve Rotherham, two fellow Labour mayors, have actually mm-hmm. criticised the Central Labour Party's decision to do this. Is that, in a way, more of a problem than Driscoll sort of sounding off in the media? I think so, just because, as Rachel said, Andy Burnham and Steve Rotherham have much greater public profiles and what they say is listened to, it's written about, and they do have independent mandates and bases to criticise the National Party and Keir Starmer. And I think that's another reason why the blockage of Jamie Driscoll is so interesting, because what Keir Starmer and his team have basically ensured, or probably ensured, is that they're going to have a much more sympathetic figure in this new, much more powerful area of the, the North East. And so what's, what is happening at the moment, so Jamie Driscoll is north of the Tyne, Metro Mayor, that's being subsumed by a much 
broader area that's going to get a new mayor elected next year. And that's going to, I think that's got the powers, it's got 1.4 billion pounds of funding over the next 30 years to have a real influence in the way that Andy Burnham and other mayors like Andy Street and Sadiq Khan have been able to influence the national debate. So it's much more of an important role than it is currently and ensuring that they have someone who is more ideologically aligned with them will, rightly or wrongly, reduce the risk of criticism from outside the National Party if they do win the next election. I think it's interesting that Labour cares so much about the selection of a local mayor. I think once upon a time, if it came to local government, the, that wouldn't be something that worried the central party whatsoever, but they're now considered to be quite considerable yeah. Yeah, figures. it shows the change in the balance of power. Yeah, but then on the other hand, you have the have a controlling, centralising element of Keir Starmer's Labour Party, which kind of raises questions about how he'll deal with devolution. Labour's big thing is to devolve more power, but if they can't handle... I think Driscoll's characterisation was the last Corbynite in government. He rejects that characterisation. But if that's enough to spook the central party, they're going to have to have a hell of a lot more discipline over these places that they're purportedly going to transfer power over to. Exactly, and devolution is absolutely central to what Labour want to do in government. They've said it's key to their economic strategy because they want to devolve economic decision-making to local areas, which enables local areas to match skills policy, education policy, infrastructure with what that region needs. And if Labour aren't trusting enough of those people who are elected to deliver that, it does, as you say, bring into question whether they're actually going to follow through in that policy in the way that they promised. And also it's a little naive, isn't it? Because you do have Sadiq Khan in London, Andy Burnham yeah. in Manchester, and they they might have more sympathy with the Starmerite consensus, if you like, but they're still constantly saying things that are not the party line and lashing out at the central party in their own ways, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that's probably why they've taken this step. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, we'll take your next question on why Caroline Lucas has decided to stand down. If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on The New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. If you enjoy the New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So just breaking this morning as we're recording, Caroline Lucas, the only Green Party MP, has said that she's not going to run again in the next election. And she has represented the Brighton seat since 2010. She's she's a major figure in politics, probably has household name recognition. It's a big story, but it's part of a wider trend, isn't it, Freddie? Yeah, there is. We've seen many Tory MPs say over the past six months that they're not going to stand. And I think that's part of a broader malaise within the Conservative Party. And that's why we've seen figures like Matt Hancock, 
many of the 2010 intake, many figures who are associated with Cameron, much many of the more liberal conservatives, you could say, saying they're going to leave. And there have been Labour examples as well, as you always get a churn, a turnover with each election. But Caroline Lucas, a former leader, one of the, as you say, one of the key figures in green politics in the UK, someone who often gets parliamentary questions because she is a because she is the sole Green MP. She does represent quite a large segment of British politics. So it is a massive story that she's standing down. Yeah, and this story is only has only just broken as we've started recording. So we haven't done a huge amount of digging into it yet. Mm. The reasons that she's given for standing down is that she's achieved a lot in her role as an MP. But as a sole MP, it's very difficult to do that work and combine it with the yeah. passion for the planet and fighting against the climate crisis that, you know, is, is at the heart of her politics. And so she wants a little bit more time to do that. That's what she said. I assume from having interviewed Caroline Lucas and a number of people about green politics over the years that there's more to it than that. One of the things that she was always worried about was the Nigel Farage effect. So the fact that she was the only person who could ever truly lead the Greens. There was no one else that anyone had heard of. And you had various leaders take over in her wake who didn't cut through. I think now the party feels that it's in a good place in the hands of its two newish co-leaders, Adrian Ramsey and Carla Denia. So perhaps she feels that the work of succession has been done and now she can leave it in safe hands in terms of those two figures. But as well as that, there's another perhaps more negative reason, which is that in Brighton, actually, Labour won its first majority in the city for two decades in the local elections. The Greens fell back. They had their worst result there since 2003. That's the council. That's separate from the constituency. But the politics of the Green heartlands are changing. Mm -hmm. They actually won three quarters of their seats off the Tories in 2023 in the most recent local elections. And there is the potential for a slight identity crisis coming up for the Green Party as it tries to make sure that it holds on in those Tory sort of rural English areas where it's suddenly had an advance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the Greens would have much success by bringing in somebody like a kind of unknown face to a seat where they've had such success over such a long period of time. I wonder if someone like Shalon Berry might be mm. a good candidate to, to run somewhere like that. Someone who's part of the Green Party establishment, <laughs> if we could say there's such a thing. The Green Blob. Um, the Green Blob. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's interesting in terms of, for Caroline Lucas, this period of time must have been quite a strain in many ways because she's been the most high profile Green Party MP, has had all the parliamentary duties. She's had a lot on her shoulders in terms of fighting for the cause for her party political green agenda. Yeah. And I can understand why she'd want to take a different role in 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 trying to achieve what her party wants. But I, yeah, I think it'll be interesting in that this will be like a new push from the Green Party at the next election. A lot of fresh faces, a slightly different campaign potentially with Carla Denyer and Adrian Ramsey. And yeah, I think it'd be an interesting period, like a sort of, I think you might see a more aggressive push from the Greens at this next election and we'll see how much success with that they have. Yeah, I wonder if it puts to bed that perennial rumour that if Labour got into power but needed a bit of help, then Caroline Lucas would be Environment Secretary. <laughs> that old hardy perennial. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us or leave one in the YouTube comments. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anoush Shekelian, and my colleagues, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth. We'll be back on Monday to go behind the scenes of Keir Starmer's Labour with a former advisor. Follow us on your podcast app to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. You can also watch video from this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for The New Statesman. We're produced by Adrian Bradley.
Hello, Freddie here. I want to tell you about a new way you can support the New Statesman's independent journalism. Every morning I send out Morning Call, our daily newsletter covering everything you need to know about British politics. It's free to sign up, plus for just £3 a month, you'll get a recommended daily piece of ours sent to you in full, plus exclusive polling analysis from Ben Walker, a weekly update from Will Dunn, and our featured piece on Sundays. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll love Morning Call. Head to morningcall.substack.com and subscribe now. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. Follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts.